morning, I want to make the second installment in our series uh, that we started last week entitled Ghosted or titled Ghosted. So I want you to grab your Bibles and go with me to the Gospel of John this morning. Amen. If you're not standing, come on and stand as we reverence the Word of God this morning. Amen. St. John, the fourth chapter. I'm going to read two verses in your hearing, you know, verses 28 and 29. John 4, 28, 29. Very familiar scripture to some. Amen. The word of God reads, John 4, starting at the 28th verse. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town. And said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this, could this, could this be the Messiah? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for new mercies. Thank you for extended grace. Thank you, God, for... Just being able to come into the house of worship on today. Thank you that we can praise you and worship you in freedom. Thank you, God, that we can assemble ourselves together yet one more time to hear your word. So, Father, I pray that your word will fall fresh upon your people. For the entrance of your word, give us light. So, God, do what you do. We come here today to be empowered in our inward man that we could leave this place and go out in the world and live a life that is acceptable unto you a life that illuminates a life that causes others to want what we have which is you so we thank you and I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in, the, in thy sight O oh Lord my strength and my redeemer in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. This week, I want to talk to you from the subject, the woman after, after the well. The woman after the well. The woman after the well. Because how many know that is what you do after you meet Jesus? That matters. Yeah, what, what you do after you meet him. Because we've done a lot of things before we met him. And I, I'm so glad that he's able to put that away. Uh, Y'all ain't going to help me. Yeah, I, I, I've done some stuff. I, I, I've said some things. But I'm so glad that we have a God that after we meet him changes our, the dynamics of our life. Yeah. So last week we defined ghosted as the act or practice of abruptly cutting off all contact with someone, such as a former romantic partner, usually without explanation, by no longer accepting or responding to a phone call or instant message, Facebook, etc. The cutting off. The ghosting. And we 
asked last week how many people have been ghosted before. And there were several people that raised their hand. And then we asked how many people ghost others. And we have several raising hands as well. The truth of the matter is, is that no matter whether we've been ghosted or been the ghoster, it impacts the lives of people. And I believe that we're living in a time where God wants us, his people, to be the salt, the light, the witness in the world in order to bring people from where they are into a greater relationship or or into a relationship with him. Because he loves them. He loves them. No matter how we feel about anybody, understand God loves them. Yeah, they were created in his image and his likeness. They may not look like you, may not talk like you, may not sound like you. But the truth of the matter is, they are yet gods. Uh, (laughs) They are yet gods. I ran across this article last week, this story that talked about a man named Hyman Markle. Hyman Markle was a World War II veteran. He was a second lieutenant in the military. And he received multiple medals, including the Purple Heart. Well... Hyman died, and he died in 1945, and his medals were lost for some 70 years until this apartment complex manager uh, began to ramble through some boxes and came across these medals. And with the help of a nonprofit institution that would go out and, and, and help those that lost medals to find their home, he gave these medals to Hyman's daughter, a daughter he had never met. Can you imagine how she must have felt when she received these medals that were her father's? Yeah, they were lost, but now they were found. And we all have experienced losing things, whether it's losing our keys or losing our wallet or losing our purse or, lo and behold, losing our cell phone. Because we'll do some things to find that cell phone. Yeah, we'll test some stuff up to find that cell phone. I wonder sometimes, what were we doing before the cell phone? Yeah, because it seems like we got to have it everywhere we go. So we've all experienced that. Luke, one of Jesus' disciples, tells us about a similar parable of someone losing something and finding it. Luke 15 and 89 says, Or suppose a woman had ten silver coins and loses one. Yeah, doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. Yeah, and I know you might be saying, what's the big deal about a lost coin? Yeah, I mean, it's just a coin. In fact, 
Uh, the coin was only worth some 15 to 20 cents. And even with inflation, that's no fortune. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that in those times, Palestinian women that had gotten married, they received 10 coins. Yeah, these coins were sentimental. Yeah, these coins were valuable. And to lose them brought extreme distress. Yeah, they, they, they were like a wedding ring that a wife loses. Yeah, ladies, those that are married, if you have ever lost your wedding ring, misplaced it, yeah, you're going to sweep the house. Yeah, you're going to tear up everything to find that particular ring because it's sentimental. It has value to it. Amen. Yeah, has value to it. So this woman, understand, would rejoice at finding her lost corner ring. So imagine just like that, the angels in heaven rejoice over one lost soul that is brought back into the kingdom of God. Yeah, because each of us, understand, are precious to God and he grieves every lost soul and he rejoices whenever one of his children is found and brought back to the kingdom of God. He rejoices. Yeah, Luke 10, Luke 15 and 10 tells us in the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one who repents. Can you imagine one that comes to Christ and the angels in heaven are rejoicing and praising God and throwing a party just because of one? Hmm. Well, imagine. Imagine someone significant to you turns up missing. Yeah. Imagine it's your mother or your father or it's your spouse or your best friend or maybe it's your, your child. I mean, sadness and panic would be immediately and immense. Yeah, there would be some aching and some pain found on the inside. I, I, I mean, suppose... Uh, I believe that your entire existence turns upside down to search for them. And the price that you're willing to pay, yeah, is nothing compared to the one that you lost. Yeah, do you feel that? Yeah, losing someone, the pain and the anguish. But now imagine finding them. Imagine you, you, you're looking for them or they, they search for them and lo and behold, now they're found safe and sound and returned to you. I mean, the joy that you would have would be incredible. It would be immense. You would just be full of joy just because you found them. Yeah. And the price that you had to pay to get them would be an afterthought. Because now that individual is found. So my question to those of us that follow Christ, do you feel the same burden for people in your life who are separated and missing out on a relationship with God? 
Yeah, because think about it. That person is separated from God, does not have a relationship with God. They're, they're, they're lost. They're, they're, they are, they are, they're out there, but they need to be found. And see, my prayer is that as a church and as Christians, that we have a greater burden for those who are far from God. That it's just not about our for and no more. That we're just not rejoicing because now we're saved and God has cleaned up our lives. But what about the person that's behind you? What about the person that's beside you? What about your neighbor? What about your co-worker? What about that person that is going through and experiencing the same things that you had to experience? Uh, see, my prayer is that we experience a greater boldness to share God's story in our story. That we just don't rejoice at our deliverance. The fact that he delivered us from fornication. He delivered us from adultery. No, no, he saved us or gave us the new job or gave us the new house. That we don't settle in and rejoice at that knowing, yeah, that somebody else needs a little help. Yeah, my prayer is that we would discover greater belief of the power of salvation. There is a power in salvation. There's a power in being delivered. How do I know? Because those of us that have uh, experienced it and now that are saved, it was power that delivered us. It was power that set us free. Not our own power, but the power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah, because we tried to get right. Yeah, we tried to clean up our action. Yeah, we, we, we would do it for a, a, a day or two uh, and fall back in the same routine. We would do it for a month maybe, but oh and behold, that particular instance would come in our lives where we would go back. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for his power to set us free and his power to deliver us. I'm reminded of another one of Jesus' disciples named Philip. Like many of the others chosen, Jesus simply asked Peter. But there's a little something else in the text. John 1 and 43 says the next day Jesus decided to leave, leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Yeah, Jesus would often invite those around him and those around his disciples into a relationship with him. But then in 45, it says, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Did you catch that? I mean, Jesus found Philip, and Philip found Nathaniel. Yeah, Jesus found Philip, and Philip found Nathaniel. My question to, uh, my second question to you is, who is the lost soul that you have found? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, who is the person or the people that uh, you're talking to about Jesus? Because the truth of the matter is, just like Philip... Huh. 
Yeah, just like he was rejoicing in the fact that he met Jesus, we ought to take that same uh, enjoyment and joy and find somebody else and bring them into a relationship with the God that we serve. Now, I know you might be saying, well, Pastor, you know, uh, you don't understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, it didn't go well the last time. Last time I, I paused to tell somebody about Jesus. The last time, you know, I witnessed uh, about him and, and shared my testimony. It, 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 it didn't go well. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't go well. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that in spite of what we think, we have a responsibility to share. I mean, look at what Philip said in 46. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Nathaniel asked, come and see, said Philip. And see, Nathaniel says this because Nazareth uh, was despised. Because in Nazareth, there was a Galilean there that the Roman soldiers had set up. So they took kind of... Uh, a, a disdain to Nazareth. So uh, uh, he's saying, can anything good come, come out of there? Uh, but Philip still invited Nathaniel. Yeah, let me pause right here and say, in spite of what people may say, we still have to have the determination to invite them to Jesus. Yeah, we can't be deterred by their response. Our job is to share. Our job is to talk about Jesus. And when we do that, we're opening up an opportunity for somebody to meet this Jesus that we love. Yeah. I mean, we see the same thing in our text this morning. We see a Samaritan woman. We see her at the well. <laughs> she goes to the well, and she goes to the well by herself, which is critical. Uh, she goes to the well by herself, and she goes to the well at off times because, <sighs> yeah, she's, she's been ghosted. <laughs> she's been ghosted by society. Society sees her um, because if you know the story, you understand that, 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 that she had five husbands. And the text says that the one that she was with <laughs> was not her husband then. In other words, she was shacking up. Hmm. So they looked at her and they, they saw her, you know, as a woman they did not want to approach, a woman they did not want to communicate with. So here she is going at off times, but she went at the right time. Yeah, here's Jesus. The Bible said, he said, I must needs go through Samaria. Yeah, this was critical because Jews did not go through Samaria. They, again, they had an issue with the Samaritans. Uh, but Jesus found himself going there. And more than that, here he is having a conversation with this Samaritan woman, which rabbis did not speak to typically speak to women in public. But what I love about Jesus is he goes against the grain. What I love about Jesus, he's not stuck on custom. 
What I love about Jesus is that he'll do whatever it takes to get to wherever he needs to get to. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's why I love him. I, 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 I love him because he's not afraid of a mess. Mm, he's not afraid of a mess. Ah, yeah. Is there anybody in here glad this morning that uh, he came into your mess? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I, I was a mess. I, 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 I had some mess in my life, uh, uh, but I'm so glad that he was not afraid uh, to extend himself in my mess, in my trouble, in my chaos, in my pain. He said, I will never leave you, neither will I forsake you, but I'll be a very present help in the time of trouble. God will come where he needs to come. Uh, that's a word for somebody this morning that whatever you're going through, understand that he'll come and meet you where you are. Uh, yeah, he's not some pristine God uh, with his nose stuck up. No, no, no. He'll, he'll go where he needs to go. He'll get down where he needs to get down. I mean, if Jesus would wrap himself and wash the disciples' feet, nasty feet, understand, he'll come into your nasty situation and he'll bring deliverance and he'll bring healing. And he'll set you free. Anybody glad about that on this morning? Uh, so here's Jesus. Has a conversation with this Samaritan woman. And near the end of this conversation, she says something significant. Uh, verse 25 says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And I love Jesus. <laughs> Jesus says in 26, he says, I, the one speaking, I'm he. Now, can you imagine, here is this Samaritan woman all her life. She's been wanting to meet this Jesus all her life. She's heard stories about him. She, she's heard uh, Bible stories. She's heard uh, scriptures about him. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, before her very eyes, here is Jesus. Oh, here is Jesus. And in the next text... Uh, we see this woman, woman's amazing response. I mean, after her experience with Jesus, she does something every follower of Jesus should emulate. The text tells us, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did, could this be the Messiah? <laughs> now, now, the woman either forgets her water jar, which is the reason why she came to the well initially was to get water, or she saw something in Jesus huh, that was so powerful that she needed to go back and tell somebody else about this man. Then she goes back into the town and says, come see a man, not just any man, 
Not just some Palestinian Jew, not just some prophet, uh, but uh, he is one who is both human and divine. Uh, like what Genesis says. Genesis says that he's the seed of a woman. Exodus says that he's the Passover lamb. Leviticus says that he is our high priest. Numbers says that he is the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Deuteronomy declares that he is the prophet without peer. Joshua says that he's the commander of the Lord's army. Judges says that he is the judge and the jury. Ruth says that he's our kinsman redeemer. First and second Samuel said that he's the seed of David. Kings and Chronicles says that he's our reigning monarch. Ezra says that he's our faithful scribe. Nehemiah said he's the rebuilder of everything that is broken. Esther says that he is our Mordecai. Job says that he's our ever-living redeemer. The Psalms says that he's our good shepherd. Proverbs says that he's our wisdom. Ecclesiastics says he's our raison d'etre. Psalms of Solomon says that he's our secret lover. Isaiah said that he is our prince of peace. Jeremiah and Lamentation says he's our weeping prophet. Ezekiel says he's our bone collector. Daniel said he's the fourth man in the fire. Uh, Hosea said he's our faithful husband. Amos says he's our burden bearer. Obadiah said he's our sovereign savior. Jonah said he's a well whisper. Micah says he's the messenger with beautiful feet. Nahum says he's our strong tower and stronghold. Habakkuk says he's our watchman in the east. Zephaniah says uh, he's our mighty savior. Uh, Hagar says he's our restorer. Uh, Zechariah says he's the pierced one. Malachi says he's the person of righteousness. Not only that, but I wish somebody know that he's a doctor uh, to the sick. Uh, he's a lawyer in the courtroom. He's a mind regulator. He's a bridge over troubled water. He's a strength when you're weak. Uh, I don't know what he is to you, but you ought to give him praise for whatever he is. Uh, because there's nothing too hard for our God. Anybody know him as a burden bearer? Anybody know him as a bridge over troubled waters? Anybody know him as a deliverer? Anybody know him as a mighty God? She didn't just talk about a man, but she talked about the man, the creator of the universe, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, the bright and morning star. I wish I had somebody would just take a minute and praise God for whatever he is to you. Go ahead and praise him. Go ahead and praise him. Go ahead and praise him. She was just not talking about any man. She saw the man. She had been with five men. And those men couldn't do her like Jesus. I wish I had a witness in here that you've had some good times. 
You've obtained some things in life. You got a nice house and a nice car and a good job, but you can testify that can't nobody do you like the Lord. Woo! Because he's a good God. Oh, sit down, sit down, sit down. I gotta go, I gotta go. Could it be that what your neighbor is looking for what your family member is looking for what your co-worker is looking for waiting for and hoping for is you <laughs> is you to say come and see a man because the truth of the matter is Somebody, if we're saved, told us to come see a man. And it changed our life. It shifted us. It brought us from where we were to where God was trying to get us, all because of an invitation. What could happen in the lives of people where you live, where you work? where you study, where you shop, where you play, if you took a chance on inviting them to come see a man, what could happen? Could the same thing that happened to you happen to them? (laughs) Could the same strongholds that you were up under, could they be released from? Could the same breakthrough that you got, they get? (laughs) I mean, what could happen? I mean, we see this woman that was ghosted by the town. Go back in the town. Now, I want to commend her, one, for going back to those that even ghosted her. Because she could have got hers, came back to the town. Now I'm saved, I'm delivered, I'm set free. I'm going to get everything that God has for me. And I'm not worried about you. But her first action was to go back, reach back to help those who wasn't even helping her. Shows the compassion. Shows that she was being transformed into what God came to Samaria for. He didn't necessarily have her on his mind only. But he had a whole town on his mind. Can I suggest that Jesus does not save you just for you? But he got your family on his mind. He got everybody you connected to on his mind. Those messed up children. Maybe that spouse. Maybe that mother. Maybe that father. Maybe that niece, their cousin that's going through. He's got them on his mind. But he has to deliver you in order to get to them. Uh, The text tells us 
text tells us, verse 30. She goes back to the town after the well experience. After being at the well with the well. <laughs> Could it be that the water that she really needed was not natural water? But that she found spiritual water? That she was willing to leave her water pot because her thirst was quenched? <sighs> the text says, after she went back, it says they came out of the town and made their way toward him. I mean, these people were literally walking through the fields toward Jesus and his disciples. All they was waiting on was an invitation to come and see. Can I suggest that that's all that people are waiting on is an invitation to know that somebody cares about them, that somebody uh, uh, has them on their mind, that, 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 that you see them in their critical condition and because you see them, you're not turning a deaf ear or a blind eye, but you want to help bring them into the fullness to experience the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I mean, these people were literally walking through the fields. And the text says, 40, 36 and 38, I'm just about done. It says, every, even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one soweth and another one reaps is true. But then it says, I sent you. You, point to you. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he said, I, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. He says, others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. The wages that Jesus is talking about here refers to the joy of working for him. Because there's a joy of working for Jesus. That, 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 I, I know we like working for, for all these other uh, 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 companies and all these other benefits. But can I suggest that there's nothing like working for Jesus. Can't nobody pay us like Jesus can pay us. Uh, I wish I had a witness in here. Uh, that can't nobody give us benefits like Jesus can give us benefits. Because when I'm going through, I call the job and the job ain't going to be there. But when I call Jesus, uh, he'll be there in the midnight hour. He'll be there when whatever I'm going through, he's the answer to every problem. Uh, so that's a joy. There's a joy in seeing other people get saved. I mean, not only should angels rejoice, but we should rejoice. One, because it should cause us to have a flashback of the hell that we came out of, the problems that we experienced, but yet God rescued us, snatched us out of that problem. So it should cause a joy wanting somebody else's life to be saved. So he says these wages come for both the sower and the reaper. So we have a responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, 
one planter and one sower, and God give the increase. So we've got a responsibility to, to do one or the other, uh, to sow or to water and wait on God. I, I, I know we don't like to, you know, sometimes we, we want to do all of it. We want to see all of it manifest right before our very eyes. But the truth of the matter is, uh, their situation may get worse before it gets better. But, but our job is to plant and our job is to water. And God will come along and bring them into a relationship with him at the right time. Mm. Uh, 39 and 42, and I'm gone. It says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony because of the woman's testimony I mean who are you testifying to who are you talking to about the goodness of God who are you talking to about huh, Jesus who delivered you who met you who saved you huh, huh, who are you sharing that with are you talking more about things of the world than about God yeah because nobody has done more than for us than he has. The Bible said that we are his witnesses. Huh? That we're written epistles being read every day of our life. He says, he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers and I love 42 it says they said to the woman no we no longer believe just because of what you said now we have heard for ourselves our job is to lead them and lead them to God so that he can share with them that it be your testimony that brought them but it be his word that keep them. So imagine, and I'm done. So imagine the people in your life who are far from God experiencing this. Imagine that wayward child who you're trying to, 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 to pour into, but yet... They're off doing their own thing. Imagine that spouse you know, who, who you're trying to set an example for. Imagine that mom or that dad, you know, who, who you're trying to sh share Jesus with. Imagine that cousin. Imagine that nephew. Imagine that coworker that's going through on the job. That when you see them, you see no smile, but you see watered eyes. Imagine that person in the grocery store that, you know, you can just tell that something's wrong. Imagine that neighbor. Yeah, that you, you know that you can discern that something's wrong there. There's no peace in the home. I mean, you hear them bickering and arguing. Imagine them experiencing God. Imagine them being like those people that were coming across the field 
to see Jesus. Imagine all their life and imagine the pain that they were going through. Imagine the, the hopes that things would change. But all of a sudden, now hearing about a man that could ultimately, could, could he be the one? Could he be the one that changed my life? Could he be the one that set me? Could he be the one that delivered me from, from alcohol, from drugs? Could he be the one to help heal my emotions? Could he be the one that bring regulation to my mind? Could he be the one that wipes away my tears? because I'm hurting and I can't find no answer could he be the one could he be the one that I've been looking for yeah imagine imagine them finding him imagine lost but now found imagine them now safe and sound in his arms Imagine them eternally secure because they were on their way to hell, just like you and I. But now, we've helped bring them out of darkness into the marvelous light. Imagine what joy that would feel, not only for them, but for you, knowing that you had something to do. Can you imagine, can you imagine getting to heaven and can you imagine those of whom you've deposited in coming up to you and saying, if it wasn't for that word that you gave me, if it wasn't for that compassionate act of love, I don't know where I would be. If it wasn't for just that one word, yeah, when I was going through my darkest moment, but you were there, you shared that word. Can you imagine the joy that would bring? Imagine celebrating. Yeah. Now that they found Jesus. Can I suggest that that's what all of us want to feel? Do I have any witnesses in the building? That that's what you want to feel? That when you see them, that, that, that life now being shifted, a relationship with God and no longer being a device of the enemy.